chapter 34. I took a big step back and found myself against a wall. Whoa, I said, holding my hand up like a traffic cop. Pod Ig and Pod L stopped. I smiled. Give me a little space here, please. I need room to read this stuff. I turned over the flyer and they edged away. We're going outside again for a sec. Maybe you guys should tell Gazzy about saving the world, I suggested. He didn't look totally convinced. Ella nodded eagerly. I felt kind of bad for sicking her on the Gazman, but if he'd been immune to her brainwashing up till now, I figured he was safe. I watched through the window as they drifted toward the kitchen. My knees were shaking, and I could feel my heart racing. So, we're all agreed that the lovebirds are totally, like, programmed, right? I huffed. Affirmative, Total said, nodding. I sighed, annoyed. So, basically, in the middle of all this other crap, we've got to go take out Ella's flyer-wielding friend. And I have a can of whoop-butt ready for the cool kid who sucked out my family's brains, I said. Agreed, said Dylan. So, we should go to the school tomorrow, right? Asked Angel. Ella said everyone was going to meet these guys. Yeah, I said glumly. I mean, I don't go to school voluntarily as it is. So to go so I could track down the people who had sucked out my family's brains made school even less appealing, if that's possible. And Max? Said Angel, ever the bearer of bad news. There's something else. Something besides this? I didn't know how much more I could take. Are you talking about that video? Total asked. Angel whirled around and glared at him. What video? I asked. Fang's blog. Total whispered, looking at Paul casually, the way he did when he was embarrassed. My jaw dropped. Someone had better start talking. Chapter 35 What video? I asked again, my eyes like daggers. Total flopped down on his belly and rested his head on his paws. Angel? I pressed. I may have seen something on Fang's blog, she admitted reluctantly. And you didn't tell me? He made us promise to never mention his name, she said. I hate it when they throw unhelpful details in my face. Dylan stepped away, looking a little wounded, and I actually had to keep myself from pulling him back toward me, as if I didn't have enough to deal with. Now, my heart felt like it had been run through a meat grinder. I gritted my teeth. Show me. Angel went in the house to get her laptop, then brought it outside. I watched over her shoulder as she called up Fang's blog and clicked on a video link. I held my breath while it played. It was grainy, poor quality, like it had been shot on someone's cell phone. It showed a hotel room and several other kids sitting around, some watching the news on TV in the background. I stared at their faces, but hadn't seen one of them before. Then Fang and someone else came into the picture. The camera panned up to reveal her face, and I gasped. There I was, in a strange hotel room. Fang was grinning in that slightly crooked way that made my heart beat faster, and I grinned back and aimed a can of cheese whiz at him. He playfully opened his mouth, and the other kids laughed. Then, the on-screen me actually shot cheese whiz into his mouth. We laughed some more, and then I shot cheese whiz into my own mouth. Except, that had never happened. I had no memory of that day. Weirdly, on the TV they were watching, the date that had flashed in front of the news was... today. Just a few hours ago. I stared at Angel. And I don't remember this cute little scene because... Then it hit me, before she even answered. And my stomach dropped somewhere around my knees. 
Max too. Angel nodded and paused the video. I stared at the computer screen, my face frozen, laughing into Fang's face. He was looking at her exactly the same way he used to look at me. I hadn't thought I could possibly feel worse about the whole Fang fiasco, but I'd been wrong. Not only had he left, but he'd replaced me. Like, immediately. Replaced me with an exact copy of me. How unfair was that? I mean, even if I could replace Fang with an identical but more reasonable copy of Fang, I would- What's that? Dylan pointed at the computer. I blinked, feeling like I'd been dipped into a fresh bout of pain. My gaze numbly followed his finger. Then I saw the small TV screen in the background. What? I barely got the word out. I just wanted to go stand in a hot shower and not think. Look, said Dylan. Oh my gosh, said Angel. She let the video resume. I swallowed and tried to focus. Then I saw it. On the TV in Fang's hotel room was a breaking news report. The headline was, The Doomsday Group, The Earth or Us. Fang pointed at the TV and said something I couldn't make out. The other kids nodded. Dylan, Angel, and I looked at one another. I felt like we were the only sane people left in a crazy, unpredictable world. Which means you should be afraid. Very, very afraid. What's going on? I wondered aloud, frustrated. Whatever it is, it looks like Fang wants to find out too, said Angel. I clenched my jaw. Okay, tomorrow, school. Chapter 36 But why are you going if we can't go? Nudge asked for the third time. I covered my eyes with my hands, trying to relieve my throbbing headache. I'd gotten practically no sleep last night, what with everybody acting like pod people, and then seeing Fang and his max replacement living it up online. Plus, Total had insisted on staying at the foot of my bed, and he talked in his sleep, about his honeymoon. Frankly, TMI. You know why, Nudge, I said under my breath. I need to see what's making the kids all Looney Tunes. Get to the root of the Boom Boom cult. I saw Ella eyeing me from across the room. I'm really interested in learning about their cause, I said loudly, trying to sound sincere. Which, let's face it, is a stretch for me. Angel and Dylan are going, Nudge pointed out. Angel can read minds, I said under my breath again. Might be useful for getting in. And I need Dylan there. For support. He gave me one of his dazzling smiles from across the room. I wolfed out a banana, ignoring the critical look on Nudge's face. Nudge can come, Zombie Ella piped up. Everyone can come. The Doomsday Group will set us free. Yeah, yeah, everything's gonna be beautiful. We get it. They're not coming. I turned to Nudge, lowering my voice. Look, they got to Ella and Iggy. They could get to you too. It's too risky if we all go. But you already left us once, Nudge whined. Gazzy's staring into space, all traumatized from almost letting Jeb die, and I don't want to stay here alone. Please, I need you, Max. She sure know how to rip out my heart and stomp all over it. I'm really sorry, kiddo, I said, my voice softening. I know you guys have had a rough couple days, but you won't be alone. Mom's here. Jeb's here. Gazzy's here. I'm here? What? I don't count, Total said, sulking. See, you've got Total too. 
We'll be back soon, I told Nudge. Let's jet, kids. Ella attended a local public school. The campus consisted of a bunch of one-story buildings, painted white, that were clustered around a big courtyard, with footpaths leading from one building to the next. As schools go, it wasn't awful. I don't know what I expected to find. San Quentin? Considering our history of schools, that wasn't much of a stretch for me. For a few moments, we stood in front of the school, mapping the layout in our minds. Ella and Iggy were holding hands, which would have been kind of adorable if they weren't all dead-eyed and brain-sucked. Then the front door of one of the buildings opened, and we braced ourselves. I looked at Dylan. I've got your back, we both said together. He left, and I rolled my eyes. Partly at him, and partly at myself, for feeling all fluttery again. Students and the occasional teacher began to stream out through the door, moving quietly into the courtyard. Every one of them was smiling and content-looking, if not grinning like a hyena. These were mainly teenagers, people. It was gross. Okay, I whispered to Dylan and Angel. Let's spread out. Keep your wits about you, and avoid becoming zombified or whatever. Let's do this. The kids gathered in groups or pairs. I heard a lot of talk about caring for the planet and saving the world. But come on, there had to be more to it than that. Hello, one girl said to me brightly, grabbing both of my hands. These people did not grasp the concept of personal space. Hello, I said, mimicking her cheery tone, which, I bet you've already guessed, was not super convincing. I'm so glad you've come to orientation, she beamed at me. Uh, yeah, I said. No prob. Doomsday's been my specialty for, like, ever. She cocked her head, her eyes boring into mine. Do you want to be my friend? I want to be your friend. We need you to follow the one light. With an earth cleanse, we'll all be free. We need you to accept the message and join us. Do you accept it? She blinked like a possessed doll, and I looked around. Where was Angel? And Dylan? Let's back up a smidge. Remind me what the message is? The message is, Max, Dylan called me over. Hold that thought. I wriggled out of the girl's grasp and found Dylan talking to a tall boy with a Zac Efron smile. Josh, this is Max. Max, Josh is going to get us more flyers to hand out. Dylan had the glass-eyed, cocked head looked down perfectly. With his movie star looks, pearly white smile, and smooth face, it was seriously creepy. It almost seemed like... I raised an eyebrow at him, and he stuck out his tongue and crossed his eyes when Josh turned away from us to grab the flyers. It was such a dorky move that I should have felt sorry for him. But it was genuinely... cute. Focus, Max. I mentally kicked myself. This was not exactly the time to get mushy. Here you guys go! Josh loaded our arms with a colorful stack of papers. Remember, we need to make sure everyone joins. He looked at us earnestly. We have to save the planet. The gathering was starting to pulse and get louder. Kids shouting stuff about beauty and freedom. All eeriness aside, what they were saying didn't actually sound that bad. Wasn't this what my own mission had been for years and years? Tell me, Josh, do you know who the flyers came from in the first place? Who's in charge around here? I asked. They came from the One Light, he said. You know that. Oh, yeah, I mumbled. We had to figure out this whole one-light business ASAP. 
Everyone is affected. Angel broke into my thoughts from across the square. I'm getting bombarded with thoughts. They're all jumbled, chaotic, violent. She looked over at me, panic in her eyes. But Max, this is big. Worse than genocide. We're talking humanicide. Total extermination. I looked around for my own zombies. Ella was chanting. Then she pumped a fist in the air, which a bunch of kids instantly copied. I tried to get to her, but Botboy Josh grabbed my arm, hard, and stepped closer to me, flashing those crazy eyes. I don't think you want to do that, hoss. Dylan growled, sounding like he might go grizzly on the kid. Josh's smile never faltered, but he let go of me, and I spun around toward the mob, trying to see where Ella had gone. I was taller than many of these kids, but when I got up on tiptoe and peered around, I still couldn't see my sister's dark head anywhere. She'd been swallowed up. I spotted Iggy a few yards away, though, so I nodded at Dylan, and we made our way toward him. The Doomsday Group is the hope of tomorrow, someone said, and there were shouts of agreement. Another kid said, Save the planet! Then somebody added, Kill the humans! Something in my brain finally clicked, and then it seemed so freaking obvious. The noids back at the school. The delirious kid in the desert. Earth or us. And now these kids. Desert Boy was right. The end was near. Kill the humans! Iggy shrieked, unfolding his giant wings. Oh, Ig, I whispered. No. Chapter 37 We need to get out of here. Now. Dylan said under his breath. But the cult was already swarming around Iggy. He's the new generation, I heard someone say. He's the future. It was like they wanted him to be their leader. Iggy! Iggy! Kids were chanting, closing in on us. They were touching his face, stroking his wings. He's the future. Some girls sobbed as if he were Robert Pattinson or something. I want to be you, they said, weeping, their painted on smiles making the whole scene even weirder. Can you sign my flyer? I'll take out my eyes, one psycho volunteered happily. I want to be blind like Iggy. This is bad, Angel said next to me. Max, this is really, really bad. I gave her a look that said, like, you think? Normally, I follow the no bird kid or flock relative left behind rule. For all I knew, Ella was about to gouge out her eyes too. But I was being swept up in a crowd of insane, horrifying zombies, all chanting about saving the planet and murdering about 7 billion people to do it. So, I made a fast, horrible decision. On the count of three, we grab Iggy and blow this popsicle stand. I yelled, one, two, three. Dylan, Angel, and I broke away from the group and pounded across the school parking lot until we had room to jump in the air and get aloft. This, obviously, prompted a new round of murmurs about us being the future, which we'd heard before, but it felt a bit less flattering than it usually did. Dylan and I swooped over Iggy, grabbed him under the arms, and lifted him up, just like the flying monkeys did to Dorothy and Oz. Let me go! Iggy said. I am the future. He squirmed a bit and kicked his legs. I held on tighter. He's tall, but super skinny, so we could carry him without too much trouble. I sighed. Right now, Ig, the magic eight ball of your future says, signs point to nutso. Angel scanned the ground below. I don't see Ella anywhere. 
I can't believe we just left her there, Dylan said. I shot him a look. I was the flock leader. I knew I'd made the right call in the moment, but I didn't need anyone's approval. But it still stung not to have him on my side. Maybe, just maybe, we can convince Mom and Jeb to come back and get Ella, I said. First, though, let's get Iggy away from that creepy crowd. They weren't creepy, Iggy said, trying to flail. They want to build a new society, a better society, after the world ends. And all we have to do is kill all the humans. He smiled up at us. Okay, I said. I'm picking up on a couple of problem phrases, like after the world ends and the kill all the humans part. There's no problem, Iggy said. We have to deprogram him, Angel yelled frantically. Iggy blinked and, with his face still blank and happy, babbled about killing everyone. I couldn't even see my Iggy anymore. It was terrifying. We'll save you, Ig. If you're in there, we'll save you. Chapter 38 Iggy hung limply between Dylan and me, like he'd forgotten he could fly too. At last, my mom's house came into view, and we began our descent. When I saw Total out in front waiting for us, my stomach nodded up. Where's Ella? He asked right away. We lost her in the mob of zombies at the school, I reported. My mom and Jeb need to go back and get her while we deprogram Iggy. Total shook his shaggy black head. Not long after you left, your mom and Jeb disappeared. Nudge and Gazzy didn't even seem to notice they left. Both of them are still here. They left? Where did they go? I asked. Did they take the car? That's the weird thing, said Total. They walked out. After a couple minutes, I thought, hey, maybe I should go check on them, you know? So I went out. The car's still here, but I couldn't find them anywhere. I even flew around and searched the whole area. It's like a spaceship picked them up or something. I looked into his bright black eyes and saw worry there. Crap, I said, and went inside. In the living room, Nudge and Gazzy were sitting on the couch watching news stories that featured, you guessed it, the Doomsday Group. After one brief mention yesterday, the Doomsday Group now dominated the coverage on every news channel. One light, Iggy said serenely, reaching toward the TV. Okay, we've got to get him back from Neverland, I said. Angel, can you get in his head? Sort of do a reset? Angel sighed. I told you, I've been in his head. It's jumbled up, just like the minds of the rest of those kids at the rally. Everything's a mismatch. I don't even know how to untangle all the weird thoughts. What kind of weird thoughts? Dylan asked. It's more like pictures, like dreams sort of, Angel tried to explain. But as soon as I try to follow one thing, it slips away. Kill the humans! Iggy yelled. Those kind of weird thoughts, apparently, I said. He's just too way out right now. In the movies, they always throw people in cold showers to make them calm down. Think that'd work? Angel gave me a look. Max, when has Iggy ever been docile about taking a shower? She had a point, but it was worth a shot anyway. We didn't exactly have a backup plan. It wasn't pretty. It took all three of us to get Iggy in the bathtub and turn on the cold water. Then, Iggy went haywire. He bolted like a wild horse and tried to leap out. Dylan and I grabbed him, using all our strength to wrestle him back under the shower. What are you doing? Iggy wailed in a voice I'd never heard before. 
as if the water were acid. What are you doing? He seemed terrified, but the three of us fought to hold him under the shower while he thrashed around. Stop! Stop! Iggy yelled, tears running down his cheeks. He was drenched, like the rest of us, his reddish-blonde hair flopping to one side. Tiny water droplets clung to his eyelashes, and his cheeks were flushed. What's happening? I don't know, I shouted. You're killing me! Iggy shrieked, hardly sounding human. He writhed and moaned, wrenching his body back and forth. I'm dying! Iggy wailed, his hands clawing at the side of the tub. I'm dying! I was seriously freaked. I mean, all the kids hated taking showers, but I'd never seen anything like this. Then Iggy suddenly slumped down in the tub, his eyes closed. Oh my god, I panicked. Turn it to warm water, Dylan. Now! I'm getting in, Angel whispered as the water temperature rose. Lines of communication are opening up, and if I work at these crazy knots of death thoughts, I can break through to him. He's still freaking out, but there doesn't seem to be the same level of resistance. Then he twitched. Iggy? I held my breath. He blinked slowly and shook water out of his eyes. What... what are you doing? He asked, sounding kind of groggy. Groggy? And a lot like the old Iggy. My eyes brightened, and Dylan and Angel and I all exchanged hopeful glances. Iggy? I asked again. Yeah? He blinked, wiping his face with one hand. What are you guys doing? If you wanted me to take a shower, all you had to do was pay me ten bucks, like you usually do. He reared one hand through his hair, making it stand up in wet peaks. I let out a deep breath and looked at Angel. Her face was beaming. She looked at me and nodded. His thoughts were back to normal. So, what's going on? He demanded, sitting up a bit. How do you feel? I asked. Like a wet dog. He answered irritably. What's wrong with you guys? Hey, and thanks for listening to another episode of Maximum Crime, a Maximum Bootleg audiobook podcast thing. I am your Oliver Marky, and we got a Spotify Q&A thingy. Don't know what to call those. Well, I'll find a name at some point, probably. Hopefully. Unless I forget. Anyway, we got a Spotify thingy from our buddy Emil, who said, The Most Chaotic Maximum Ride Book? Which, this one is kind of bonkers. I forgot... I forgot a lot of the stuff that goes on in this one, um, and I'm starting to remember some of it, and it's, oh boy, it's gonna get real wacky real soon, so I hope everyone's excited for that. I feel like the most chaotic one, personally, I want to say Max, just because of the whole, we poured radiation into the ocean and now the sea creatures are sapient and can communicate and build society type stuff. I, uh, that one was really weird. I didn't like any of that book. I feel like Maximum Ride Forever because that was supposed to be the last book of the series, but they tried to pull out all the stops on that one. I think it starts out with like a volcano erupting and then there's a tsunami and then I think the erasers come back and also there's other mutants that are trying to kill them, but also there's like still humans alive. And I remember 
so distinctly in my brain that Max meets a brother and sister in, like, Africa or something who are, like, starving to death. And she's like, hey, guys, how's it going? And they're like, oh, you know, pretty good. And she stays, like, stays the night with them. And she wakes up because they're trying to cut her wings off to eat them. And then she flies away and then sits in a mound of termites and then eats the termites. It was really weird. (laughs) There's a lot going on with that book. She, like, flies to Russia, flies to Africa, flies to Europe, and then I think goes back to Russia or something. It's been a while since I read these books. But, oh man, Forever is such a weird book. I am excited and dreading to get to it. But it's okay, because that's book nine. Oh no, we're on book seven. It's not that far away. Oh no, <laughs> I miscounted my books. It's okay, we'll get there and everything will be fine. But yeah, that's my vote for most chaotic Maximum Ride book. I would love to hear your guys' thoughts, because... Oh boy. Oh boy, these books are a lot. But, uh, yeah, thank you, Emil, for letting me ramble for upward of, like, three minutes about that. Oof. I've got maximum right opinions, which is why I have this podcast. Anyway, thank you, Emil. With that, we are going to move on to our recommendation for this week. This week's recommendation is the video game series Portal. Again, I know that I'm shilling a video game that is old enough to drive a car, but... Again, my podcast, I get to do what I want. So, Portal is a first-person puzzle platformer game where you are a test subject for a company called Aperture Science, who is running experiments with a portal gun, which I don't know why I'm explaining it. Literally everyone knows what Portal is, but I'll continue to explain just in case. You're performing a series of tests with this portal gun, And you're being guided by a robot lady voice who's insulting you just so, so much. It's it's honestly kind of fantastic. But as you portal around through all the tests and stuff, you kind of get a sense that something's kind of wrong here. But there is a second game, which is the one that I've been replaying recently. But it's a lot of fun. Portal 2, it has a more fun story than Portal 1, in my opinion. But it's they're both equally good games, which I love so much. But yeah, I love Portal. It's a very fun game. It's very interesting and it's it feels kind of like a tech demo for the first one and then it feels like they found their footing with the second one. But again, both are a ton of fun to play. So I absolutely highly recommend them. And I will put a link to the Steam store, link to it in the show notes below. And I forgot, since Valve created Steam, haha, <laughs> lol, uh, every time there is a Steam sale, Portal and Portal 2 go on sale for like 99 cents each, which there's a promo going on right now that ends May 1st. Not sponsored, it's just a really good game. But uh, yeah, Portal and Portal 2 are 99 cents now, I think. Yeah, both Portal and Portal 2 are 99 cents each. So now is one of the best times to go get it if you've never played it before. I honestly didn't play either one till college, and I'd still had an absolute blast playing them. So yeah. That is Portal. Again, link in show notes. If you want to get in contact with me, you can email me at MaximumCrimePod at gmail.com or hit me up on my Tumblr over at Maximum-Crime-Pod. 
And if you want to leave a rating or review, that would be super cool of you to do. Alrighty, that's all I got to say for this time. So, until next time, fly on. <laughs>